Welcome to Hence the Future podcast. I'm Mattimore Cronin. I'm Justin Clark. And today we're discussing the future of podcasting. Where were you when Joe Rogan moved to Spotify? <laughs> That's what Theo Vaughn tweeted recently. Uh, and I love that because it really encapsulates how big of a move this is in the podcasting world. So for, for lo- listeners who don't know, Joe Rogan just signed a multi-year deal to make the entire JRE library exclusive on Spotify starting on September 1st. And in exchange, Spotify is paying Joe Rogan an undisclosed amount that's, quote, greater than $100 million. And his podcast will still be free on Spotify, so it's not like it'll be behind a paywall. But listeners will have to use the Spotify app to listen, which means they'll have to register with Spotify. And that includes YouTube. So full JRE episodes will not be available on YouTube. They'll still have clips on YouTube, but all videos will also be on podcast. And this is to help promote Spotify's, uh, or will also be on Spotify. So this will be to help promote Spotify's new video component where you can listen to or watch the podcast, uh, depending on your preference. So I guess to start out, I want to ask you, Justin, is this a good deal for Joe Rogan? Is this a good deal for Spotify? And is this good for podcast listeners around the world? So to answer the first question, is it good for Joe Rogan? I think the answer is most likely yes. I think that he probably wouldn't have agreed to it if it wasn't a good deal for him, at least financially. And One thing that I've heard Joe Rogan talk about a lot on his show in particular is his concern over YouTube, especially about all of this cancel culture, where basically he can get demonetized. And some of his episodes have been demonetized on YouTube because he had a guest on or he said something that was against YouTube's. Mm -hmm. Well, he had Alex Jones on who has been banned from YouTube. So yep. obviously that episode couldn't be monetized. Yeah, so I think he's he's probably um, going into this with conditions, probably along the lines of you have zero say over what I do and you have to guarantee essentially that you can't cancel the monetization. And if they're paying him $100 million over the course of however long, even if it's over the course of the rest of his lifetime, he'll probably be fine. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely uh, good for Joe Rogan in the perspective that he's getting a lot of revenue right away. Mm-hmm. So, and he won't necessarily be censored. Yeah. By... He, he's not an employee of Spotify, so he can still mm-hmm. have full creative control over the show. Mm-hmm. And... and that's probably what he wants ultimately. Yeah, I'm sure he's... Well, but he already has that. So like the big question yeah. is, why do it at all? Like he's already making $30 million a year on his own podcast. He has full mm-hmm. creative control. He's on every platform. He's literally the biggest name in all of podcasting. Like what more could he yep. possibly want? So part of me is wondering, like, why, why does, it, does he really need to do it? Yeah, um, because, you know, if he makes 30 million a year, okay, if he's getting 100 million, is that really worth the limited reach that he's probably going to have by not being on every platform where people will have to listen through Spotify? 
And, and it, uh, a counter or an example that's kind of relevant and a lot of people have talked about is Howard Stern. So Howard Stern was the biggest radio host in all of radio. And then in, in the early, mid-2000s, he did a deal with Sirius XM to be exclusive to Sirius Radio, which is satellite radio that, you know, they were in new BMWs and they had deals with car manufacturers. And he was super successful on Sirius and he made a killing. He made $500 million over five years. But mm -hmm. how often do you hear people talk about Howard Stern nowadays? Like almost yeah. never. It's like his influence has waned so much. And yeah, he's got really rich and has a really cushy gig. But I wonder if Joe Rogan isn't shooting himself in the foot a little bit by yeah. basically giving up influence in exchange for a short-term payoff. Yeah, see, that is definitely one concern. But um, one argument, or one thing that I've at least thought of for this, like why it could be good for him is, I wonder how much time he spends on either curating ads or anything else related to advertisements. Because mm. I think one of the things that Spotify is trying to do and might lead into the next question of why this is good for Spotify is, for one, Joe Rogan right now spends at least 15 minutes talking about his, um, you know, his sponsors and everything. I don't know how much time he actually spends trying to talk to them because he might be saving time if he goes to Spotify and Spotify does all the advertising for them because right now it seems like Spotify is getting to this phase where they're going to start um, using data from listeners to have more specific ads for specific episodes for specific people. And that might be non Joe Rogan um, produced advertisements that he now doesn't have to think about at all. Yeah. Um, Although I so would say like that <laughs> if you have someone who's not Joe Rogan reading the ads, I wonder if they'll be even a, f a fraction as effective. Cause yeah, like when you know. hear Joe Rogan say like, brought to you by the motherfucking cash app like <laughs> like 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 that has so much value in its uh, in itself that if you just have some like voice actor reading some ad i don't think it'll be as effective and also i heard from kara swisher that he may still have his own ad component so the spotify deal it's hard to talk about it now because we don't know all the specifics that not much has been reported other than it's over a hundred million dollars but from what Kara Swisher said, he still is going to have ads, his own ads in the beginning of the episodes. And that's one thing that's different about podcasts than music is that with music, if you pay for Spotify premium, you never have to listen to ads at all. But with podcasts, because the, the host actually, actually records the ads themselves, and oftentimes that's part of the episode. That's not like an advertiser slot, like they recorded that into the episode. So right. li the listeners will have to listen to ads regardless uh, when it yeah. comes to podcasts. Uh, but I think your point about defending uh, Joe Rogan's decision has some really, um, you know, there are some good arguments in that, in that line. So one I would say is that for him, Everyone can still listen to his show. It's still 100% free. You just have to change which app you're using. So it's not like he's really 
hurting his fans that much. And yeah. if he still has all of his advertising revenue and he still has full creative control over the show, then why not sign on for something like, you know, Jason Calacanis said that he speculated maybe it's $75 million a year for three years. It's only three years of Joe Rogan's life. Why not sort of cash out and do sort of like a podcast VC exit and, uh, you know, really sort of cash in on all the work he's done. Mm -hmm. So I think that there are, it, you know, obviously it makes sense to Joe Rogan. He's not a dumb guy, even though he says that, you know, to get his yeah. guests to open up. So yeah. I, I think whatever the terms of the deal are, it works for Joe Rogan. Mm -hmm. uh, one interesting thing is that his podcast will no longer be a podcast because a podcast is defined as an, a show that uses an RSS feed to be distributed to multiple platforms. If you just have it on one platform, it's no longer a podcast. It's an internet show. <laughs> so like- Interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll still call it a podcast, but- Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, wow, that's interesting though. Yeah, so I think, it, you know, to I guess to summarize the Joe Rogan question, it definitely makes sense for him financially. I am not so sure it makes sense for him reputationally or just considering the amount of influence he may give up as a result of yeah. going exclusive. Yeah, I do think, though, that the Howard Stern example isn't necessarily going to be the same because Sirius is a paywall. You can't just... It, like you can't just mm -hmm. listen to Howard Stern if you want to. Changing an app is much lower friction than like now buying Sirius Radio, which is it doesn't even have other good content necessarily, or that you, you know, some people might think that it's good content, but um, not everyone thinks yeah. that everything else is good content. So I just think the friction is a little bit lower to switch from for me Overcast to Spotify. Right, like, no but big it's. Deal. It's kind of crazy, though, that literally one dude changes his podcast to be exclusive. And now I am literally considering whether I should now use Spotify as my main podcasting app. Yeah. And Joe well, Rogan's not even like, podcasts. yeah, but it's like not even one of my favorite podcasts. But I listen to it enough that mm. for me to not see the latest episode that just came out with Elon Musk or whoever, mm -hmm. whatever crazy guest Joe Rogan has on next, like that's a big of enough reason for me to use Spotify as my native podcasting app. And mm -hmm. that's huge. I mean, when you talk about like the streaming wars and the podcast wars between like Apple and Spotify and Google and mm -hmm. Amazon, that's huge. If you can get people yeah. to use your app as the listening app, I mean, mm -hmm. the value for, for that alone. And by the way, we saw, so I guess now we should get into whether or not it makes sense for Spotify, in one day, one trading day, after they announced this move with Joe Rogan, the valuation of Spotify went up by $1.4 billion. So in one day, Joe Rogan more than paid for the whole deal yeah. just by raising Spotify's stock value. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense from Spotify's perspective because they need some big players on their platform to get people to listen. If they have a couple of these early movers that are guaranteed to be on their platform and only on their platform, they're basically 
capturing the entire Joe Rogan market. Let's say let's say 20% of the current Joe Rogan listeners now will never listen to another Joe Rogan episode because it's on Spotify. I think that's probably an overestimate anyways, but we can say 20% will never listen mm-hmm. again. That's still a lot of people moving to Spotify. Yeah, the other 80% will yeah. move to Spotify. And X percent of them will become subscribers for Spotify mm-hmm. Premium. Yeah. So I looked into where Spotify makes their revenue and they only make 10% of their revenue from ads, which is people who are on the free tier of Spotify and they have to listen to ads. Yeah. 90% of their revenue is from Spotify Premium. So not only are a lot of Joe Rogan's fans going to switch to Spotify, watch ads, and some portion of them will join Spotify Premium, you're also going to be able to use Joe Rogan's face and name and likeness in every ad that Spotify will run on Facebook to get new people to join Spotify premium. And that's huge. Like Spotify is basically paying for the mental shift of thinking of them as a music platform to thinking of them as the one-stop shop for all things audio. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really big. And the other point is music isn't necessarily as profitable as a mm-hmm. podcast could be because with music there's there are middlemen between Spotify and the artists in a lot of cases there are some like exclusive artists I think for Spotify but a lot of times there's a record label and they have to pay the record label and they have to pay royalties and all of the things every time a podcast or every time a song is played yeah with podcasting it's not the same thing so with a podcast basically they have direct control to Joe Rogan in this case and or not control but they have direct access to his episodes and his content and there's no middleman it's just the content yeah like when you think about a song it's typically short it's like two to three minutes long you have to pay royalty every time that song gets played to the artist and you can probably only play one ad in between songs if that i mean i think they might only do it like every two or three songs actually whereas with podcasts you literally have like two or three or four hour episodes that can have lots of ads placed within those episodes so listeners are engaged and listening for a lot longer and it's not like you have to pay royalties to the podcaster every time their episode gets played Typically, Spotify would only have to pay to create the episodes, and then they can just run those episodes over and over and over again and not have to pay anything else to the original creator. So this is huge, and it's part of Spotify's strategy. So, you know, they had acquired Gimlet Media for $195 million. They acquired Parcast for $55 million. They acquired The Ringer with Bill Simmons for 196 million. These are all major like podcast basically they're podcasting startups that have a lot of their own shows and these have become Spotify exclusives. And those are enough of a reason for big fans of those podcasts to use Spotify exclusively. They also acquired Anchor, which is what we use to produce our own podcast. So mm-hmm. Anchor allows you to basically you know, create and distribute your podcast. So if Spotify is going to be the place for, you know, top level exclusive podcasts and Mm -hmm. the place for people to produce their podcasts and get advertisers for their podcasts, 
Spotify could become like basically what Facebook and Google is for image, video and text ads. They could become that mega platform for audio ads. Yeah. And that kind of leads to the other point of just data. The data mm -hmm. that you get from podcasting is likely much richer than the data you get from the, uh, the sets of music that listeners are um, listening to. Because if you're, let's say you, you're diving into some pretty niche podcasts, and there are a bunch of niche podcasts out there, and let's say it's about, I don't know, holistic dentistry or something really niche like that, you're going to get a, a lot of information about a user and you can have more targeted ads to that user across the board. And it's one of those things where if it's, you know, we've said this before, if it's free, you're paying with your data essentially. Like if you don't have to pay for it with money, you're paying with your data. And that's what's going to happen here. And that may or may not be a good thing if, you know, if this uh, space becomes oversaturated with these ads. But, you know. Yeah. I see people are, are there. Right. Well, I mean, as someone who works in the advertising <laughs> business, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm like anti-ad. And yeah. I, I actually think from the standpoint of an economy, ads are a really efficient way of connecting people with solutions mm -hmm. because Agreed. how else would people find out about like, you know, some cool, like, I mean, the amount of cool stuff you'll find about out about by listening to mm -hmm. like Tim Ferriss ads or Joe Rogan ads, mm -hmm. usually they're really good quality products that are really yeah. relevant for their listeners and they've passed the filter of Joe Rogan or Tim Ferriss. So, mm -hmm. I think that if you look at ads in that way, then it's almost like a trusted recommendation that's good for the person listening, it's good for the podcaster, it's good for the brand. It's kind of just yeah. an efficient way to connect people with solutions. Agreed. So, yeah. and I think what you're getting at though is a major shift that's happening, which is that now Spotify has this feature called uh, streaming ad insertion. And essentially <laughs> what this is 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 uh, like, let's say you're a podcaster, like you're Joe Rogan, and you record several different types of ads. Like one could be for, let's say like a hunting bow for all the, the, you know, the meat eating hunters who listen to his show. And then maybe mm -hmm. some other ad he records is for some like, you know, lion's mane mushroom tea that's nice for anyone who's more about like being healthy and the holistic kind of lifestyle. Yeah. Then, based on Spotify's data, they'll see who's listening to Joe Rogan. Is it someone who is more of like a, you know, a manly like hunter type? Okay, then show him the hunting bow ad. Whereas, oh, is this person is maybe it's like a girl who's really about like the environment and, you know, health and wellness. Okay, let's show her the lion's mane mushroom tea ad. So mm -hmm. they'll, they'll literally determine which ad you get to hear based on what they know about you. And a lot of the data Spotify has is what types of type of music you like, what other podcasts you listen to. And you can learn a lot about someone by what types of content they consume. I mean, think about how much you can know from someone by just knowing whether the main podcast they listen to is New York Times The Daily or The Ben Shapiro Show. Like, I'm, I'm not saying one is better or, or worse than the other, but you can tell you could probably make a dozen predictions about someone just with that single data point 
And then when you lay layer on top of that, all the other podcasts and music they listen to and who their friends are and what their friends listen to and where they are geographically and their age and their gender and what type of device they have, like all of this data is available to them and they could seriously make the podcasting ad industry a real thing because up until now it's been super fragmented it's basically been like wild west of like you know people like slanging deals with different advertisers on their own there hasn't been one centralized hub where you can go to connect brands with podcasts Yeah, I've seen in a lot of places that podcasting is just totally under monetized in general right now. Um, oh yeah. So. I mean, here let's put some numbers on it. So, the spot the podcasting industry in 2020 is expected to grow 30 percent. So it's going to grow 30 percent this year, which means it will surpass one billion dollars for the first time. So that's it. The whole podcasting industry is worth a hundred billion dollars. So, uh, or sorry, $1 billion. So mm-hmm. the 100 million that Joe Rogan got is a pretty sizable portion of that <laughs> 1 billion, right? 10%. <laughs> it's literally 10% of the whole podcasting industry in one deal. Wow. Whereas if you look at radio, which we think of as like this dinosaur business, they are va- the radio industry is valued at $42 billion a year. So wow. radio is 42x what podcasting is. And rec- like music is 21 billion. So mm-hmm. there is so much space for podcasting to grow. It really is like this nascent industry that I think is going to grow to if it's worth 1 billion dollars in 2020, I think by 2025 it's going to be worth like 20 billion. It's going to be like on par with music mm-hmm. if I had to predict. Yeah, and just listenership is growing across demographics. Uh, Previously, so I saw this article that was talking about veteran listeners, which are people that have been listening to podcasts for greater than three years, and more um, newbie listeners that haven't. Um, A lot of the veteran listeners are between like 35 and 55. Like they're much older listeners, and now it's shifting to... 12 to 35 percent is a majority of the listenership Mm -hmm. and it's it's uh definitely shifting towards a younger demographic these days and that i mean that's good that means that there's going to be a lot of long-term podcast listeners most likely and there's no shortage of content no matter what you're into you can find a podcast that you like and i think as time goes on there's just going to be better and better produced podcasts as well yeah definitely um, yeah, I want to get into those future scenarios too, but maybe before we do, we should say a little bit about how people could go about launching their own podcast and what the current mm-hmm. state of the tools are. Cause I, I definitely want to spend a good amount of time talking about the future and how new tools, new platforms and new technologies will create the podcasting world of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So let's start with how to do a podcast in 2020. So there's a few components that are important. The most important thing in my mind is a good microphone, like having good quality mm-hmm. audio is big. And Justin's microphone is not working today. <laughs> <laughs> so Justin's going to need a new microphone. But 
there are lots of good microphones out there and if you are on a budget i would say just get a usb microphone i, I use a blue yeti which has been uh, working well for me a pop filter is also big so that's what i have here if you're watching the video pod and this basically whenever i get excited and i talk about like popping peas and stuff like that <laughs> then it will make it so that it doesn't hurt our listeners' ears and it filters out those pops. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say that headphones are big and the reason you need headphones, like these are some Sennheisers that I, I highly recommend anything made by Sennheiser. Um, the great thing about these is that you can, you, you will avoid any echoes. So if you record a podcast without headphones and sometimes you'll, hear this in other podcasts with guests who aren't used to being on a podcast, you'll hear the echo of the entire room because they're not wearing headphones. So it's important that you wear them. Uh, The other thing I would say for recording, we use Skype plus Ecamm movie tools. And this has been like really a great solution. The best solution I've seen out there for this type of thing because it automatically will record your Skype videos and then create separate tracks. So you have two video tracks, you and your guest, and two audio tracks for you and your guest. So if there's some issues with someone's audio, you can adjust for that without having to adjust the master audio for both of you, which is, yeah. is key. And I'm kind of shocked that Zoom doesn't have an equivalent tool for podcasters. They do have some way to record, but they don't export to separate tracks. And, you know, even though Zoom has better quality for just the audio and video in general, Mm -hmm. they really don't have a good tool for podcasters. And I'm kind of shocked that Google uh, Meet doesn't have a really good tool for podcasters. So I think Ecamm Movie Tools is the current best solution out there. But I bet you in the next five years, there's going to be some way better tool that like imagine if we were able to not only record separate tracks, but also like, you know, change our backgrounds if we wanted. Maybe we can pull mm-hmm. up videos or like play sound effects or sound bites or invite listeners on to, you know, ask a question in real time. And maybe you can also live stream directly to Instagram or Periscope. Like there's so yeah. much potential for making the recording and publishing part of podcasting better. So if you're making one today, I would say use Ecamm Movie Tools, but ask me again in a few months because this space is changing so quickly that I I would expect there to be a really good new tool out there in just a Mm -hmm. few months. I would also say um, for publishing, we already talked about it, but Anchor is really a game changer so 70% of new podcasts in 2020 were created with Anchor. And the, wow. the real innovation there is that with one push of a button, it will publish it to all major podcasting platforms. So you don't have to spend time like creating an account on all these different platforms. And every time you have a new episode, you got to go to all of them. Yeah. The other big innovation with Anchor is that they allow for a little ad placement that will automatically show an ad to listeners based on whatever ads you have loaded up. So Mm. for instance, if we have like three different advertisers, but we only have two ad slots, it will play whichever two the algorithm deems 
are most relevant for that user. So this is something Anchor already has, and Spotify is trying to make that even more uh, yeah. effective via their, their other data that they have. Yeah. And then maybe you could say a little bit about the current state of transcribing, because this is one area that we have come a really long way, but in my mind, we still have a, a long way to go. You know, from yeah. the time where it's like text first to the time where we can truly have audio first content that's perfectly indexed across yeah. the web. Yeah. So one of the main reasons for transcripts right now is so your podcast episode is indexable by search engines. So people can go online, search some topic, and hopefully your podcast transcription comes up and then people find your podcast and start listening to your podcast through, you know, that sort of organic, um, search method. So a lot of transcriptions in the past, let's say 10 years ago, were probably completely manual. So you would have to go mm -hmm. through and listen and type as you're listening to the podcast. And that that's no good. I it's mean, like that, the equivalent that, of like co hand copying the Bible from like one book to like yeah. a blank book. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I'm so glad we're beyond that because uh, right now there have been some pretty cool advancements in uh, machine learning that can parse the audio and figure out what people are saying. So one of the, the tools that we use in particular for transcriptions are, um, so Amazon Web Services has this transcribe service. And there's also been um, Google Translate, which I think is pretty good, but I think uh, we've had the best luck with um, Amazon so far, being able to capture like the differences in our, our voices and all of our guest voices and being able to segment those um, users out. But the cool thing is with Amazon is it'll parse your trends, it'll parse your audio and give text. And you can also select like the number of users that are speaking. So let's say we're doing this podcast right now, you can hand it the audio and say there are two speakers and it'll seg it'll try to separate out those two into their own like space. So you can, you can have an easily like conversation, um, it's just like how Siri sort of optimizes for your particular voice. This yeah. will optimize for like two different particular voices. Yeah, it like separates out those two voices. So you can at least have, when it gets translated to text, you can at least have something that looks like a conversation. Because mm -hmm. one of the other things with um, some transcription tools is it'll put everything into words, but then you actually have to go back and still listen to the whole podcast right. again. And figure out who is saying what and like press enter and like label you know this person was saying this this person was saying it here so it's a much more time um, efficient way to do these things and no it's not perfect but in terms of the overall goal which is to make your podcast searchable it does the job mm -hmm. and you can add your own vocabulary and stuff which is pretty cool um, but so it stops calling me madame <laughs> but, yeah. Madame <laughs> yeah. or Justin? <laughs> yeah, Madame or Justin. Madam, Madam or Crone. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, so there's like a few things that it'll it'll pick up on, but um I think the 
thing that we're moving towards in the future is actually directly indexing the audio. Mm-hmm. And I think Google is actually getting to the point where it's doing this currently in sort of a low-key way. I was doing some research and saw that Google's been working on audio direct audio indexing since 2008. Wow. So they've been working on it for a while, and it's very likely that that is some component of their search engine already. Um, so that's, that's actually pretty promising. Um, but if audio itself is indexed, meaning you don't necessarily even need to have that middle layer of generating text from the audio and then indexing that text, these search indexes can just directly be indexed to the audio, which I think is really cool. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say, I I noticed that Apple has this feature already in beta, so it's not released to the world yet. But I saw in my Apple podcasting app, you can actually type words that appear in someone's podcast audio and see Mm. results based on that. So for instance, like let's say we're doing research for Joe Rogan's deal with Spotify, you could literally type in Joe Rogan Spotify and it's not only gonna bring up the episodes that have that in the title or the description, it'll also bring up episodes that just have that mentioned somewhere in the podcast. Mm. Yeah, and that's, I think the- It's incredible. Yeah, that's really where we need to move to anyways, because there is so much content out there Mm-hmm. that needs to be searchable. Like if you think about how many um, podcasts and how many hours of podcasting there are already, like I would say that, I'm, I don't know if there's a number on this, but probably thousands of hours. I mean, that's just Joe Rogan has thousands of hours of podcasting. Oh, yeah. So there's probably maybe even upwards of millions of hours of audio content that could be indexed, that could be very useful to people. Um, so anyways, I think that's something that's really exciting. And like, for example, Google has done, I've noticed something with Google and YouTube recently where if I'm searching how to do something in the search results, usually, or at least what I used to see is there's a video that pops up like, okay, here's a tutorial, how to do this thing or something related to this thing that I'm trying to do. What I've seen recently is it'll actually recommend me some small segment of a clip mm-hmm. uh, of a video that will show me specifically what I want to do rather than like the whole thing, like the right. whole process when I only need to know one. So if you want a cooking process. recipe, you don't have to hear the backstory about growing up on the farm and everything like <laughs> that. You can just yeah. hear the recipe. Yeah. And that's ultimately where this leads to. It might get to the point where you can actually just directly go to a segment of a podcast that you want to listen to yeah. rather than the whole thing. I, I love this because I feel like it's making podcasts more meritocratic because people mm-hmm. can search what they're interested in and then they'll find podcasts that maybe aren't in the top 100 podcasts. But mm-hmm. if they like what they hear, then they can become a fan of that. And we've had a lot of people find out about our show with similar a similar path where they'll search for a topic, they'll really like our episode, and then they'll listen to our other topics. Right now, a lot of people only stay within that, like, you know, top 20 Apple podcast chart. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that moving to this form of indexing audio and being able to search by topic and by keyword that are in the audio is going to be yeah. huge for just discovery of new podcasts uh, in general. Yeah. 
yeah, I totally agree. Awesome. So I want to just briefly talk about whether this is good for podcast listeners and whether it's good for people who have podcasts, all the developments in this space. So first, I guess, let's talk about, I guess we already kind of talked about whether it's good for podcast listeners, so we can go go past that. And I think basically what we decided is that it's not that big of a hassle because mm-hmm. they can still listen for free. They just need to use the Spotify app. But if a lot of major podcasts go exclusive, like let's say, you know, Joe Rogan is exclusive to Spotify, the New York Times, the Daily is exclusive to Apple, um, you know, some other podcast is exclusive to Google. If all the top podcasts start to be exclusive to different places, then it sucks for listeners because now you have to go to all these different apps and possibly have multiple different subscriptions just so you can listen to your favorite five shows or whatever it is. So it is potentially bad for listeners. As far as whether it's good or bad for podcasters, I was listening to Scott Galloway today and he said every podcast valuation just went up by 50% overnight after the Joe Rogan deal was announced. And basically, this may be the beginning of a podcast war where major platforms will be outbidding each other to get different high-profile shows onto their platform. And those platforms will be investing heavily in trying to win the podcasting ad market and to be the one-stop shop for advertisers and podcast Mm -hmm. creators. So it's definitely good for podcasters um, and even for smaller podcasts that aren't likely to get acquired. It's good for them to just have a more streamlined ad network where you don't have to make specific deals with all different players. You can kind of just go to one marketplace. Mm -hmm. So anyways, I think that pretty much summarizes it. Now perhaps we should get into the future scenarios. All right, Justin. What is the worst case scenario for the future of podcasting? Worst case scenario. Yeah, so I think the future of podcasting isn't one that is extremely doom and gloom. Um, But there are a couple of things that could happen that I think would sort of at least really annoy me in the space. And the first, like sort of likely worst case is let's say um, Spotify takes over a bunch of these um, um, podcasts and it's mostly to do with the advertising. So for example, when I listen to Joe Rogan, I'm not going to lie. I just like forward, fast forward Mm -hmm. through all the um, advertising. Um, But what I'm worried about is they might make it, like a specific ad segment that you can't skip and you have to listen to like unless you're a premium user. Yeah. Pro- <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure that's, that's probably something that, that is, In the that works. might happen. I mean, I, I could see that happening. Um, so that's, that's one thing that I think would annoy me. Um, I mean, I am a Spotify subscriber, so hopefully I can circumvent that, but that would be bad in general. If, um, it alienates a lot of Joe Rogan's followers. And this kind of, my next part is 
sort of touching on what you were saying earlier, just like Joe Rogan losing influence. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of the most important podcasters in the space. I'm not saying he's the best or my favorite, but I think he's the most important because he has the most influence and he offers such a broad range of guests and ideas that he's sort of opening up the general public to certain ideas. I think he's going to be one of the major factors in psychedelics becoming a little bit more mainstream, for example, in terms of their research, because he's very openly for them and uses them himself. And But he's also sort of this meathead guy. Like He can talk with anybody. He can talk with Elon Musk. He can talk with Rhonda Patrick, like these extremely nerdy people and also comedians and he just has this broad range and i think if he loses that influence it will not be good for society as a whole so that's that's kind of my worst case is specifically about joe rogan losing influence yeah i love that i mean he is one of the few people that is really outside of politics like you you can't pigeonhole him as right wing or left wing and you know a lot of the quote intellectual dark web has that quality to it mm-hmm. so I, I i also agree that if you lose the biggest figure in viewing all sides and just talking about the issues without any sort of political charges or motivations then things can get far more polarized even than they are right now mm-hmm. so i i'm concerned about that i would say in my worst case scenario many other big podcasts go exclusive as well Mm -hmm. so joe rogan is sort of like the canary in the coal mine and a lot of other major podcasts go exclusive so now you have quality information is no longer publicly available to everybody it's only available to those who are willing and able to go to that specific platform Mm -hmm. and who potentially have to pay not to see ads So if you, I mean, in the worst case, this would eventually become something like you have to pay not to be manipulated or not to be given disinformation. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that's where we are right now, because I think, you know, Spotify still has, Spotify, I think is a moral, morally upstanding company. And I don't think they're going to allow like misinformation advertisers and malevolent players on their platform in the first place. But just as a broad trend, if we're moving to a world where people who can afford to pay for no ads can have high quality information without the manipulation, but people who can't afford to pay for premium have to be manipulated and potentially talked into buying things they really don't need to buy, then Mm -hmm. that's obviously a bad scenario for the population as a whole. Uh, I also think there's an interesting concept from Scott Adams where he talks about these digital warlords, which would basically be like you have these these figures like Joe Rogan or Tim Ferriss or whoever that basically have their own like army of like a million or four million listeners or whatever it is. And they can basically do deals with advertisers and platforms to capitalize on their listenership and you know I'm not that's not necessarily bad but it's bad just in the sense that it's less open like what's so great about the Apple ecosystem is that it really is sort of a 
like a carryover from the early days of the internet where everything is free, everything is open. We're just providing a platform so any creator can add their RSS feed and be listened to by the world. Whereas what we're moving to now is more of like the Netflix model where it's all about doing specific deals so that you have the rights to friends or the office or whatever. You produce your own shows. You try to capture audience from your competitors. And it's just like it's just more of a messy battle where different big players are trying to claw users from one another rather than an open platform where anyone can listen to anything. So that's another area that I'm concerned about. But I would say the single greatest concern I have for podcasting is that what people love about podcasts is that they're unfiltered, raw conversations that are nuanced. They're not your typical like TV news show where you only get 30 seconds to make some point and it's yeah. all just about the sound bites. Like podcasts are one of the few areas where you can actually talk in depth about a topic and you know, discuss every angle of it, not just come up with like, oh, here's why my side is right, here are the arguments, you know, closed and shut case. So my concern mm-hmm. is that if podcasts go exclusive, then all of a sudden they can be canceled. Like I'm not saying Joe Rogan's gonna get canceled, but let's say hypothetically, Joe Rogan invites Alex Jones back on the podcast and he says something super outrageous and outlandish and everyone's like has this major backlash against Spotify. Will Spotify try to put some pressure on Joe Rogan to change who his guests are or anything else? It sounds like so far that's not part of the deal. But if we move more in that direction where podcasts are exclusive to one platform, it just follows logically that those platforms will have greater leverage over the creator that they've done a deal with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I think those are good points. And I was talking earlier about how this audio indexing is really cool because you could listen to specific clips. I wonder if that could lead to a situation where you do only get little baby clips of a much larger nuanced conversation, like you were saying. And that could lead to, again, this situation where like, yes, the the fundamental content for podcasting is a long, nuanced conversation in a lot of cases, but what people consume might end up being right. small bites that can be taken out of context and things Yeah, like the JRE so. clips are still going to be on YouTube, but you're not going to have the full episodes that have the full context. Mm-hmm. So that could yeah. be a source of misunderstanding. Right, yeah, so... Yeah, I get it. That's, that could be bad. All right, let's move to the best case scenario. What do you think is the best case for the future of podcasting? Best case scenario. So I think the best case for the future of podcasting is just really taking advantage of all of the good things that podcasts are. Like it, like you were saying, it really has improved the conversation and the dialogue around certain topics because you do have this opportunity to have more nuanced conversations. I would like to see that be the case in every sector of society. In particular, I would love to see this in 
politics. And we just saw mm. Andrew Yang release his own podcast. Because that's one of the things I think we're missing is we're missing these longer in-depth conversations because these debates don't work. They, they don't actually get a point across because you can't just have a sweeping solution to any problem because every single problem is going to be much more nuanced and complex than what mm -hmm. you can convey on the stage. And what I think Andrew Yang in particular is doing here is leaning towards my best case of anyone who wants to be in politics probably should have a bunch of audio that's publicly available that talks about what they think about certain things. Mm -hmm. And that, that should be part of the general research that citizens do to elect who they want to elect into government. Um, so that's just one thing. It's just like how uh, podcasting could improve politics, but it could also improve education. For example, hardcore history could vastly improve how much people are even interested in history. Because when I was in school, I thought history was the super lame subject. And did well, did I, you uh, did you see what he's coming out with? The VR simulation of World War One? No, dude, that's the, awesome. He's literally recreating like historical World War One battles in VR that you can go and experience. Wow, with his pretty... yeah, like with his storytelling and everything. Oh man, see that? See that's what I I love about this, and it could lead to this phase and you know that might even be another thing is layering on vr to podcasting if there's mm -hmm. a good animation engine or something where you could go in and podcasts now have like a visual component to them if you want that could really improve education in general across very complex uh topics so if you're learning Software engineering, like I have a few um, data science podcasts I listen to, for example, that talk about really complicated like machine learning models. It would be really nice if that was accompanied by some sort of visual where I could be uh, watching the, um, you know, these these videos as well as listening to the podcast, and it would essentially turn into a sort of lecture. Mm -hmm. And you could you could really structure curriculum around just podcasts and have people, you know, produce really high quality, I don't know, biological introductions or physics introductions through podcasting, because I tend to learn better through audio than through reading. Mm -hmm. And maybe this is because you I'm get, not exactly sure. Well, it's so much more rich information because you get tone of voice, you get dramatic mm -hmm. pauses. Yep. You often have two people sort of talking about different angles of one issue rather than just one lecturer espousing their own mm -hmm. beliefs without right. any sort of interplay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think to kind of sum it up, I just think that podcasting has the potential to really transform a lot of different sectors, particularly education and politics. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. And you're so right about politics. It's like oftentimes politicians need to decide, do they actually answer the question and give a thoughtful response about what their healthcare plan would be? Or do they just go for the zinger 
that's going to look really good on Twitter and YouTube and is going to be picked up by all the networks. And usually if you're a savvy politician, you go for the zinger because that's what works. That's what plays to crowds. But that doesn't help society if we can never actually talk about how to resolve these issues that are often very mm -hmm. messy and nuanced and there's not yeah. one sweeping right answer. It's more of a, of a give and a take. So, yep. yeah, I think in, in my best case scenario, Joe Rogan is more of an outlier. It's not the norm. So most big podcasts do stay available on all platforms. And I think that that is actually fairly likely because you are giving up reach when you go to one platform. So there's always going to be podcasters that it's more important to them to have as much reach as possible rather than as much short term revenue as possible. So mm -hmm. I'm not like super concerned that, you know, starting tomorrow, all my favorite podcasts will go exclusive. I think that's unlikely. Mm -hmm. In my best case scenario, I think there is a combination of curated ads that really pass the filter of the podcast host especially if they continue to be recorded and read by the podcast host, a combination of that and the Sam Harris model. Like I love how Sam Harris makes his, all of his episodes are publicly available up to a certain point, like the first 30 minutes or an hour or something. Mm -hmm. But then if you want the full episodes and if you want extra value, like ask me anything episodes and to be the first one to know about his live events, then you need to be a subscriber directly with Sam Harris. Uh, it's not through some other platform. So I, I think that's a really good model if you can make it work um, because that way it's like your only boss is your audience and you have enough audience members that you can do exactly what you feel is right to do at any, at any given time and no one can fire you, no one can cancel you. Um, so I don't, you know, that's obviously not something that can work for everyone. Like I, I saw that Tim Ferriss did a Twitter poll where he asked his audience, should I switch my podcast to from ad supported to listener supported? And almost everyone voted to keep it ad supported. Now, I don't know if that's yeah. because they were just used to Tim Ferriss's podcast being ad supported or if maybe they like just didn't feel like they would want to pony up their credit card to pay him and they'd rather yeah. just listen to a few ads. But mm -hmm. that, that tells me that it's not like ads are evil and, and there's not a good scenario where ads are part of the mix. The important thing is just that, that, you know, it doesn't influence the quality of the show at all. And that the only ads that are shown are ads that the host believes in and that aren't manipulative and that are for real products that are verified mm -hmm. and all of that, those sorts of things. Yeah. I would say the best case for Spotify is that they do become a full blown podcasting ad network that has all of the top tier podcasts. Obviously that's what's best for them. Yeah. And as far as like future podcast technology, I think it would be awesome if we can switch to a world that's truly audio video first rather than text first. So yeah. imagine if you could like, rather than like finally honing what your business is about through text and getting the copywriting exactly right and all of that, maybe you could just talk about your business for two hours 
and then it will be all that information will be perfectly processed and indexed across the web. It could even be turned into a blog post algorithmically to make sure it has like the appropriate grammar and all of mm -hmm. that. So if we move to a world where you can really just record audio and video and then everything is in like everything happens pretty much automatically that you would need to to have a discoverable show, that would be amazing. And when you get into like machine learning and simulations, I mean, the coolest thing to me would be like, what if you could interview simulations of famous people like Napoleon or Steve Jobs or like yeah. Julius Caesar? And you could literally have like a, simu a simulated like their voice and their beliefs and, you know, mm -hmm. based on their writings. And like you and I could like interview Napoleon and be like, all right, so what, what, what were you thinking? You know, you invaded Russia in the winter. Like if you could go back, like, what, what would you do now? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, that would be, That'd be sweet. amazing. But I think that's one thing that is unique about podcasts is that no matter how crazy technology gets, people are always going to need to make sense of those changes. So even if everything that logistically needs to happen for the world to function like imagine you can no longer make money actually like you know manufacturing items or customer service or anything like that because machines just do it way better even in yeah. that world there's going to be a market for other humans talking about the world and talking about the changes and talking about what it's like to live life as a conscious being yeah. So I think podcast. I'm long on podcasting. I think it's going to be successful. I think it's still in the early days. I think there will be a major podcasting ad platform, but it's it's still going to be a mix. So yeah, I'm I'm very uh, very bullish on podcasting. Yeah. So is that your? Uh, is That's your my best, best case. case. Your likely case as well. Most likely scenario. Well, for my likely case, I would say that some big, big podcasts will go exclusive and follow Joe Rogan and get the payout. Most will not. And I would say that one most likely scenario is that I think podcasts will continue to get more intimate and more engaging with listeners. Mm -hmm. So for instance, Scott Adams podcast is recorded live on Periscope and he can actually have listeners ask questions and respond and give feedback in real time while he's recording. And I think that's going to become an even bigger part of podcasting in the future where you can really like have meaningful interactions with listeners either live or separately like outside of the episodes. I, I also think that you know, we there's a lot to learn from some of the major platforms such as Clubhouse and OnlyFans. So with OnlyFans, obviously intimacy is the biggest part where if you're a lonely marine in some island in Guam, you know, <laughs> and you need to connect with someone that you feel like knows you on some level and cares about you, that's pretty much what mm -hmm. OnlyFans does. But you yeah. could imagine something like that for podcasters where it's like you're sort of part of like the VIP crowd. And there's this other app called Community where you can literally like I can text Chris D'Elia and he'll respond. 
and this is like an app where you can have that like closer level of connection to your fans. Mm. That's um, cool. And then as far as Clubhouse, like the cool thing about Clubhouse is that it's basically like a way to passively hang out with other smart people in an audio format. So you can open up your Clubhouse app, just put it down on your table. And then while you're doing work throughout the day, you're listening to like a VC, a biotech founder, you know, some other like really interesting person. And they're all just talking about issues and you're kind of just like hanging out with them and you can join the conversation and actually talk or you can just listen to other people talk. But I think especially in the world post COVID where people are more isolated and there's more of a need to self quarantine, having those avenues where you can make meaningful connections and it's not just consuming a show like you would with Netflix, but it has some element of really engaging and being part of a community. I think Mm -hmm. that's the most likely scenario for where podcasting will end up. And I I just want to end my most likely with a quote from Elon Musk, where he described Twitter as plugging into the stream of public consciousness. And I view podcasting in very much the same way, where just like Twitter, it's like you're plugging into the stream of consciousness of the thinkers and the Mm -hmm. thought leaders that you that resonate with you. So I think that's going to continue. And that's it's a I think the more we're able to strengthen that stream of consciousness and allow it to freely flow to people, then the better positioned will be to share ideas, to overcome differences in viewpoints and to create a better collective future. Wow. Yeah, I think that's that's really good. And I guess just to round out, I would say I am also extremely bullish on podcasting just as an industry. And my best case is almost exactly my likely case. Like That doesn't happen very often, but I think that it will be used to transform a lot of different sectors of society. And we already see it with Andrew Yang, and we see certain educational podcasts coming out that are really good at distilling complex information because they're just well done. And we get to hear the best of the best rather than um, someone that's maybe in a school district without very good teachers. Maybe they can just tap right into the best teachers of biology or history or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they can become very well educated and very informed on specific subjects. So I'm, I'm very optimistic about podcasting in general. Yeah. And just so you listeners know, this is episode 96. And for episode 100, we're going to do something special. That will be the end of season one and the beginning of season two. And we've got a lot planned for you guys in season two to have an even better, hence the future experience. So if you have any ideas for that, feel free to email us, hence the future podcast at gmail.com. And thank you for listening. And what will we'll see you next time. The past, the present, hence the 